Bonjour et bienvenue dans a couple of goons. Mon nom est Walt Hickey. Mejorante ce soir, Neil Payne. Neil? Hi, Walt. <laughs> hey, how's it going, man? <laughs> have, you, uh, uh, have you fully uh, accepted the fact that you are a longtime Montreal Canadiens fan? Long at this time. Point, you're accepted. very I've excited. Been very beginning since the very beginning of this wonderful experiment that we call the playoffs i have been pulling for none other than the montreal canadiens now if you listen to the archive it's been doctored that's the situation because i have been a fan of the montreal canadiens for the entire duration of this of the playoffs at no point was i a supporter of the Edmonton Oilers. And then at no point was I a supporter of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I have always been and will always be a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. It would be great if the old archived episodes actually were doctored, but like <laughs> dubbing you saying Montreal Canadiens over like Edmonton Oilers. You know, I really like that Connor McDavid of the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I texted you after after that went down. I was like, I've always been a supporter of the Habs. Get the Politburo to sign the warrants. Call on the best airbrushers in all of Moscow. Let's go. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, always been a fan of the Canadiens. Um, Airbrush fun- Mark Scheifele out of uh, <laughs> out of those photos. Give yeah. him a Stalin treatment. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, my, he uh, actually kind of did get airbrushed out of the series after he laid that hit. On Jake that was a pretty, in game one. Listen, in game one, back in my you know misspent youth as a Winnipeg Jets supporter, I was like, you know what, that wasn't that bad, was it? We could kind of look the other way. Now I'm just like, that was terrible, and I look forward to him being banned for the first game of next year too. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, couldn't have happened to a more deserving guy, you know. Could not. Oh my god. Um, playoffs have been weird, man. This has been really fun. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's it's been a nice uh, sampler for your first ever uh, playoff. You've gotten like a nice mix of not total chaos like it was, I don't know, when a couple of years ago when like every favored team lost like almost immediately, but not total chalk either. And you're getting some nice little like uh, Cinderella runs. I think you could say yeah. that about the Canadians and then just sort of like scrappy runs, run of the mill but also, like, you know, kind of cool, like uh, the Islanders have done uh, so far against the Bruins. Uh, and as a note to the listeners, we are recording this, like, right before puck drop in yes. uh, game six of uh, the Islanders-Bruins game. So you will likely know who wins <laughs> that game and uh, whether or not someone does win the series before we do. Uh, so keep that in mind as, as we're talking. Yes, uh, it is... It's it's been great kind of following along because like, you know, getting into the cadence of it has been fun, like kind of realizing at the end of it, at, at, like, you know, just the other night, obviously, they were tied two to two uh, and, I, and I was like in the series. Right. And then like the intensity of the final moment was just like, oh, yeah, no, whoever loses this is going to be facing an elimination game and like kind of like realizing, you know, being able to kind of. St- see a little bit farther ahead into what each game means for each particular group uh, has been cool because obviously it's been a very big hodgepodge. There have been kind of sweeps. There have been, you know, uh, complete um, like meltdowns, right. Of just, you know, when you have a two zero team, all of a sudden lose the series four to two. Right. And, and so it's been a, it's been kind of a, a mix in a good way. And I've been really pretty regularly consulting my favorite resource for this kind of stuff, github.com slash neilpain538.com. 
Um, uh-huh. And uh-huh. I know that it went down the other day because the internet died, but uh, <laughs> it has been, you know, it's been fun to kind of see how much the, the, the model and the stats of this kind of assign the shots of this. And like, as we kind of get our way to the final four, it's been good to kind of see everything like ossify into exactly what the situation looks like it's going to be, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's been really great. And I do think that what you just talked about the, like, yes, close hockey games are fun. We found that out uh, throughout the entire regular season and, you know, uh, the first round of the playoffs. But when you get deeper into the playoffs and you do have that like realization that, you know, a team is going to face elimination if they lose or going to just straight up be eliminated if they lose. And you got some yeah. of that in the Maple Leafs game. But of course, the Leafs uh, were, you know, laid such an egg uh, in the, in that series, in that game that, you know, you didn't quite feel the tension build. Whereas I think now, you know, uh, with some of these more competent franchises, you'll get the sense of like the tension building for whatever team is down by one going into like the final five minutes of the third in a game where it's literally win or go home. And I like that. Uh, I think that that's one of the best things about uh, hockey. You know, you get that in other sports as well in kind of a different way, but I do like how in hockey or boy, if we're lucky, like game, uh, like overtime of one of these games where like the next goal determines who goes home and who moves on. That's something I think kind of unique about hockey in the sense that it does sort of build up that tension. And it's like any mistake, any, you know, randomly tipped puck that like bounces around the crease could really have like a very outsized impact on uh, how we view a team's season. Yeah, and like we'll get to some of it later, but like again, like I had been pulling for the Hurricanes all season, and obviously, like last night they faced you know a really tough game, and like in that last, like in like the last five minutes, like every single like accidental flip of a of a of a stick that like led to it, it was just like ah, really like watching every single goal, every single second of it, uh, every single shot rather. Yeah, Yeah, and it's tough to accept that like it's very abrupt when it's over and it's sort of you go from being like, hey, maybe they can score and then maybe they'll get another one. Maybe they'll pull the goalie and they can put pressure on. And when it's over, it's just like, oh, yeah, that like intensity was sort of that was the last moment of the season. And then you shake hands with the opponent, uh, which I think is pretty cool uh, and a nice uh, sportsman-like gesture uh, that hockey has. You know, other sports have like a version of of it, but it's not as formalized. Uh, Mm. And I think it's cool to see the teams like line up at center ice and go through the line and and handshake. But man, it's just such a contrast of like the intensity right before that versus the finality uh, of what it means to, to get knocked out. Yeah, I mean, like, we were talking about it rather early in the season I was, as I was kind of, like, realizing exactly how fun the sport could be. But it was just, like, genuinely, like, pound for pound, the final five minutes of a hockey game stands against genuinely any other sport, I think, in terms of, like, the last finale of it, right? Like, I had, we talked about, like, basketball can get a little timeouty and choppy and all that kind of stuff and turn into, like, you know, stalling. Like, sometimes I think March Madness gets a little bit annoying to watch as a result of that, right? Um, and then, you know, baseball, you know, sometimes you have entire batches of innings that are fundamentally pointless gestures designed slowly to advance us towards an inexorable goal. <laughs> and then like, um, you know, I think like only soccer kind of stands against it in that kind of way. But like enough times over the course of the season, I've seen like, you know, 
a two one lead is not really that much of a lead. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so I don't know. It's been very fun. And during the playoffs, it is like up to, dialed up to twenty. You know. Yeah. Well, this is what you get when you when you level up. Uh, what level were you at after last uh, last episode? <sighs> Four. Five? Yeah, four. Let's say four. That's good. Okay. At five, you start getting good stuff because that's when you get the ability score increases, as well yeah. as a few of the other class types. But well, oh, yeah, you see. did. T- you took a feat. I remember you took, took a, feat. a feat. You took tavern. Tavern took brawler. Tavern brawler. It seemed really on, the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is weird because I have a monk build, but it's fine. Like, but uh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that. Um, uh, yeah, that that. I think you'll level up maybe once we get to the Stanley Cup Finals. That'll be your next level. And then, yeah, you can do that. Sure. Ability <laughs> yeah, I uh, got to figure out what I'm going to probably put the points into decks maybe, but you never know. Strength is always a good option. Um, In hockey, <laughs> uh, more than anything else, I feel Perhaps, like. Yeah. You, you have to well, have that which strength. Of this, which of the six D&D stats is most – rank this. Rank those, please. Rank the D&D <laughs> stats by how important they are in hockey. Uh yeah, so constitution is going to be really high. Very big. I feel like very, very big. big. No, yeah, everybody constitu- always underestimates con, but that's an important one. All right. Yeah, it's actually more valuable in hockey than it is in D anD. D. I think. <laughs> um, I definitely think uh, dexterity. Well, it depends. Like with Gretzky, we talked about him. It's like he was like very maxed out on both intelligence and dexterity. Right. So I think yeah. Some combination of those two are really important. Uh, whereas like Gordy Howe was more of a mix of strength and intelligence or wisdom, uh, and, and strength. Uh, and so I, I think that there are like different archetypes that you can build that meet the, that fit historical players. I think charisma, you know, is probably that's the, the one, last that you can one that that's would, your dump stat, right? That I would dump that one. Uh, I mean, you need guys with charisma in the locker room. Certainly. I think there's like always like one guy, at least yeah. on a team that, really like is the clubhouse leader and he's there for that uh attribute gotta sell those but jerseys baby you know <laughs> right but certainly i think i would uh i i would uh put most of my stat points in constitution particularly in the playoffs and then probably like dexterity uh and then uh either strength or intelligence i think probably or uh, wisdom because that's the perception thing right you gotta have a goalie yeah, that's wisdom... got high wisdom goalie high you know <laughs> con goalie right so you're basically making a cleric for goalie <laughs> yeah that's I, I think goalies as clerics are is like a great comparison yeah they're very sort of like sham, shamanic uh you know the in yeah. terms of their like mixture of it's they're looking it's, to the favor of god alone <laughs> like. oh completely <laughs> like it's it's like an arcane science but it's also very much like uh staying in favor of the gods there's like a religious aspect there's an artistic aspect to it and you have to be a little crazy i think that the best goalies like patrick wah used to talk to his uh goal posts uh during games (laughs) i'm not even making this up uh and and uh yeah like yell at them you know or thank them when when a puck uh glanced off of it (laughs) so i think wisdom in particular i think for uh for goalies uh and just you know certain positions uh because yeah you need that perception and that insight uh and and be able to um you know pass those checks because like yeah I, i think uh a perception check a save is kind of a perception check like you have to figure out uh, yeah. where the puck is and sort of like see it 
and, and immediately be able to kind of know where to position yourself and then have the insight of, well, if I give up a rebound, where's the guy coming off the wing, you know, lurking. Yeah. It on is the Dexy edge. too, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, tons of dexterity. Agility yeah. is like the other big thing that a goalie would have. So I think it Maybe, does vary yeah. by, it varies by role and it varies by uh, position for sure. Like your defenseman, Strength is probably there, uh, or constitution and strength are probably now, their the two thing, the biggest thing to stats. That people always fuck up is that they got to remember that their charisma stat is also their intimidation stat. And so there's a world in which you have like Charo or something like that, where he's got high charisma, just not the way that you think about it, right? That's a great point. Yeah, no, that's true. Like if you had like a high strength and high constitution defenseman, but he didn't have high charisma he probably wouldn't be able to bully anyone, you know, no, and, and kind of impose his, uh, his, his physical will fully on the opponent. So that's a great point. I like that. We should do, it would be great as an off season project, maybe for just like the free agents. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm being kind of serious about this. We it. should do D and D stat, uh, st- uh, stat blocks <laughs> for the free agents. Uh, and, wow. and figure out like what the, this is cause so we can do good. that. And then we could see how it correlates with like, uh, you know, goals above replacement or some like value <laughs> stat and and uh, try to figure out the relative like what's the optimal build for each position uh, yeah. in terms of D&D stats. I think this we could is do so that. this is great Off season project. Man, it just it does make me think like, you know, the spellcasting modifier is just how good at shooting you are, isn't it? Oh, man, that's really good. All right. Well, yeah, this has it been is a, a ranged attack. <laughs> it is a ranged attack. Magic missile in some situations, one might say. Um, <laughs> Fireball is uh, Alex Ovechkin's favorite. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. Um, wow. So if you're still listening to A Couple of Goons, holy shit, congratulations. I didn't know that people could make it past that five-minute segment of what we did there, but um, <laughs> I think that's, that's really good. why people listen to this. I think that's what the people sign up for. But they they're sign up for not-, not listening at all, or they're listening for that conversation. Exact conversation, yes. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Uh, so usually we do a segment called Team of the Week. Uh, I think that there's two contenders here, but I also think that there might just be one. Well, you have very good perception, by the way, <laughs> for, for saying that. Because I was going to say we have two. We have a co-team of the week, which I'm not sure has ever happened before. But two is- teams are tied, and they're very tied. Like, it's down. Like, we could break the tie if we went down to, like, hundredths of a point of ELO. But that's against the spirit of ELO. ELO is, like, whole numbers. I think it's, you know, sort of against the spirit to go that chunky. So, yeah. yeah. So two, two, the two teams that increased their ELO by 15 points each in the oh. last uh, seven days. There I go. thought that was a drum roll, not a, that's on me. That's on me. <laughs> that's okay. I'll click We're, uh, dramatic you know. piano. What are they, Neil? Well, I'll tell you. But first, I have to reveal who the father is. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. That's this has been enough pro- copyrighted. That's kind that's of appropriate. A good- it's good. <laughs> uh, so the so the two teams that added 15 points to their ELO in the last week are the Montreal Canadiens. Your I'm sorry, your Montreal Canadiens. Les Habitants. Yeah. Uh, and also the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's not a coincidence that Ooh. those teams have, have won uh, multiple consecutive games. In the case of the Knights, they've won three straight. In the case of the Habs, what is that like? Uh, it's like six or seven straight. I'm trying to remember. I think it's uh, seven because they yeah, won. Fo- they won two in a row to end. Right, because they no, won the first one. Of, 
They won. Right? Yeah, you're right. They won the first one in the series, and they were down three one, and then they won three, and then they won four. So they're up seven in a row now. Fuck, my Habs that's, are great. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that earned them, I think, because like the some of those Maple Leaf games are not in the seven day window. Uh, but the the Habs also gained fifteen points of Elo. So those are our two co teams of the week, and I think it makes sense. I think it makes all kinds of sense um, to have those. Obviously, the Canadians have been. They were the most, you know, impressive team of round one in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, the magnitude of the upset that they pulled and and how they did it. And they were, I think, no matter what happens, probably the most impressive team uh, relative to expectations. I think oh, of round two, yeah. well, uh, you know, in kind of a easy. Call. Have you got a versus expectations score on this? Is that the thing all the way on the right? What's that? Uh, well, that's uh, versus the preseason, which like they, they've already blown away. Uh, their preseason expectations in terms of making right. the uh, the third round. They, they've increased their odds of making the third round by 88 percentage points <laughs> to, since since day one, opening day of the season, uh, <laughs> which is easily the, the most of any team. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that nobody expected them. Well, first of all, we didn't expect them to beat Winnipeg, much less come out and sweep Winnipeg Good lord, that was uh, that nobody had that on their bingo card uh, going in, and you know I think probably you could look back and be like, well, the Shifle uh, uh, hit, you know, and the suspension, you know, turn were a turning point in the in the series, maybe. But they I don't won know if they game. were. They won that they, game yeah, by a right. lot. They won, they won that, that game, game like hard. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Jake Evans, uh, you know, play uh, was that he had just scored an empty net goal to kind of seal that game. Yeah. Uh, and then he completely got trucked by oh, Shifley, exactly. Yeah. Um, on that, uh, you know, and it was a very unsportsmanlike play. And that game was already Shifley, won. Yeah. Yeah, they had basically already won the game, and and that was just so unnecessary. And then he took himself out of the rest of the series, literally, at that point, and he was their best player. So, you know, you could kind of say, well, would it have been different if they had had Shifley? Maybe, but, you know, I think the way Montreal played in that series, they were probably going to win. You know, uh, it, it was not just one suspension, I guess is what I'm trying to say, that really made the difference. Carey Price had a 942 save percentage in the series. Uh, Tyler Toffoli uh, scored five points in four games. You know, they were they were producing uh, and, and doing things that I think Mark Scheifele would have changed maybe a little, but not that much, really. It's it, it was a it was a total team effort uh, by them and, and good for them on that. And then Vegas, they looked dead in the water after going down 2-0 uh against the avalanche they lost by a lot they lost by seven in the or what was it seven one or seven yeah no they lost by six that's how the subtraction works Uh, yeah no they 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 like seven a lot of numbers that game were we recording that night no Uh, we weren't recording that night i don't remember whether that one made it in or not uh uh, because it would have been let me consult the calendar uh, yeah, that one would have been in the books because we recorded on the second right. of June, and that was on May thirtieth. Uh, but we, they were they were had game uh, two happening later that night, uh, and that was one that the Avalanche won in overtime, also. And that was sort of like, oh my goodness, the Avalanche might uh, sweep the Golden Knights. You know, they've they've won the first two, uh, and you know they seem like on paper the best team in in hockey. And wouldn't you know it? the golden Knights have fought back and uh, the abs are now 
pushed to the brink of elimination after that overtime loss um, in game five. So we'll see. Uh, by this time, you know, a little later than this time tomorrow night, people will know whether or not Colorado <laughs> forced a game seven or not. But this is like what we're talking about earlier, where it basically, you know, we're talking about Colorado, a team that I have extolled the virtues of perhaps excessively uh, <laughs> over the course of the season, but they were the preseason betting favorite. They've been pretty much the favorite um, throughout or at worst co-favorite alongside Tampa, alongside Vegas. You know, those three teams have kind of stood out above uh, all the rest uh, for most of the season and uh, they could be going golfing, you know, <laughs> for the rest of the summer uh, after uh, tomorrow night. So I think that that really kind of underscores like you can be a great hockey team and the Avalanche have a great team and that's not good enough. You have to be able to kind of eke out these wins. Uh, and of course, you know, they didn't have their best game uh, in game six also or in uh, I'm sorry, in, in game four also when they lost uh, five to one. So. You know, those are the types of games I think that you'd like to have back. You'd like to be competitive in that game uh, rather than give up uh, five unanswered goals uh, to, to end the game. Uh, yeah. You know, you can't do any you can't do that much about the overtime uh, games and, and those types of losses. Uh, but you can definitely come out and, and show better for yourself than than to lose five to one. I think they might look back at that one as the one that kind of slipped away from them. Yeah, I think that, and again, we'll, we'll kind of go series by series, I think, on this one uh, a little bit. But uh, I think that, again, these have lived up to the hype. <laughs> like, I think that the Colorado Golden Knights, that, like, has been a very, very good series to watch. I've been staying up late to do it because these goddamn Western yeah, teams are playing at 2 o'clock in the morning. Really like, start late. They start a bit late. And, um,. <laughs> But yeah, as we speak, the Islanders are playing Boston, and we'll have to see how that goes. But um, but it's yeah, it's tied been a, zero, tied zero zero halfway zero, zero. through the first. Yep. Um. So next up, before we get into what's actually been going on over the course of the season, I, we do need to remark: this is our twenty-first episode, the Big Two One. A couple of good ones, yes. old enough to drink. If episodes were years, which at times they can be, maybe but they feel like it. Possibly. Maybe they feel like it sometimes. Who knows? Yeah. Uh. But either way, uh. You know, we have a tradition on a couple of goons where we identify, uh, we sort through, and and you know sometimes we had to tie break by figuring out the gooniest of the goons, and uh, <laughs> we figure out who is the number twenty one, and so yeah. who's the number twenty one of this week? Well, this one is easy for me. I mean, you know, in keeping with our perhaps near constant Colorado Avalanche theming, I have to pick Peter Forsberg, uh, of long time of the Colorado Avalanche, uh, as as my number 21. Uh, and this guy was one of the toughest players and arguably one of the dirtiest players, uh, but, but also <laughs> had a lot of skill. I mean, he was sort of your, your, um, your ideal mixing of all the attributes that we were talking about earlier. By the way, the Islanders just scored to take a lead in this game. They could put away the Bruins. Wow. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep monitoring that throughout. But uh, We'll keep you, you up know, with live updates several hours after you've already seen the updates. This, right. In this podcast <laughs> that you're definitely not listening to live and you already know who won. Uh, but yeah, Forsberg <laughs> probably had high uh, stats in every category except Constitution where he uh, was infamously kind of fragile 
kind of uh, injury prone. Uh, some of it was because of the style that he played in. But he was basically a guy who was one of the best defensive forwards in the game. And we talked about the uh, the Selkie trophy as being the best defensive forward. He never won that trophy, but he was perennially like one of the you know top vote getters or you know uh he was a finalist uh in in 1997 for that so he was a guy that could do that job and lock down um uh, opposing uh centers usually uh defensively but he also was really skilled one of the best passers in the league he led the league in assists and points in 2003 uh and in plus minus that year uh so he was like a fantastic all-around player and he was also kind of goony you know, uh, in, in terms of just a guy that would like muck it up in the corners and get really gritty, uh, with, with people. Uh, and he did play for the Philadelphia Flyers for, uh, parts of two seasons. So, you know, gritty would be proud, uh, to be connected (laughs) with him. Um, but yeah, he was a guy that, you know, wasn't afraid to, uh, get penalty minutes. He was kind of a dirty hitter, but, uh, also, you know, a really smart, defensive uh forward so yeah he he was basically your your platonic ideal of like an all-around uh center that could play you know from end to end from goal line to goal line uh, as they say the only issue was that he just missed a ton of games due to injuries like i remember there was one playoff where i don't think he played at all because he had a lacerated spleen Oof, which like what doesn't sound pleasant to have a lacerated spleen yeah you gotta um, lacerate your spleen to get one of those that's not great <laughs> Yeah, he had uh, so he did play uh, in the uh, he played the first and second round of the playoffs in 2001, which, by the way, was a year that the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup uh, and and he wasn't (laughs) available uh, because he had his he had a ruptured spleen and didn't play the rest of those playoffs and then also didn't play the entirety of the following season. uh, which like tells you the severity of the injury uh, there. And then he came back the following playoffs though, and immediately led the entire league and assists and points during those playoffs. Uh, right. Even though his team didn't go to the Stanley cup final, they actually lost in the um, conference finals in seven games to the rival Detroit Red Wings. Yet still he, after it was all said and done after the, the other teams played in a whole extra round, he still ended up being the leader in scoring uh, during those playoffs. And then he came back the following regular season. And that was the year that he won the MVP uh, as a judged by the media. So the Hart Trophy. Uh, and then also won the the Art Ross Trophy as the leading scorer in the league and led the league in assists. So, I mean, it was crazy what he was able to do when healthy. It was just a question of, like, could he stay healthy? And uh, from age 34 onward, which is like, you know, I mean... I'm older than that. Uh, but like we expect great players to kind of hang on and be able to play at least some in their mid to late 30s. He only played 11 games from age 34 onward. Uh, and, you That's know, it was at that point he retired. Uh, but, you know, when he was healthy, he was great. And I have to mention that uh, so he he was not the inventor of this. But I think I've mentioned the Forsberg move before, the famous shootout move. I was yes. going to ask about this. Yeah. Yes. Because the name so his, the name was definitely recognized. Like, Right. So, yeah, his thing was, and he borrowed this from, uh, I think, another Swedish player named Kent Nilsson, uh, that 
it was uh, you kind of come down on the forehand side uh, in a shootout and get mm-hmm. the goalie moving over in that direction. And then you quickly switch to the backhand, but you take your bottom hand off the stick and then just use the top hand to kind of guide the puck in around the goalie on the opposite side that you were going originally. And if it's done well, it's a very cool looking goal, uh, but it's also pretty, uh, pretty broken. Like, you know, very few players can pull it off, but those who can, can kind of go back to that well. Uh, yeah. And um, and it's very broken in the NHL a bit EA of a trick Sports play. video game. I was just going to yes. say, this sounds like a thing that would be destructive in, in a video game that the game designers could never balance if they tried. Dude, they had to nerf it uh, for <laughs> NHL 21 because it was so broken in NHL 20. It was like kind of, uh, you know, your your odds of scoring when you tried it because it was pretty easy to pull off and was pretty difficult to defend were very high. And so they made it more difficult to pull off or your player had to have higher uh, stick handling skill to be able to really even pull it off this year in the game. So they they responded to how broken it was in the video game by, by kind of nerfing it. But uh, one other note on the Forsberg move is that Forsberg himself pulled it off in the uh, Olympics in 1994, and he did it in a penalty shootout in the gold medal game. So like one of the highest pressure possible moments uh, of a a player's career. And at this point, he was only 21 years old, number 21, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) coincidentally enough. And so he decided to pull out this move on Corey Hirsch in um uh who was canada's goalie in this uh this gold medal game and he won he scored he he sealed sweden's gold medal at the 94 games in lillehammer uh and because of this he was forever immortalized on a postage stamp in sweden that showcases (laughs) him it's this very iconic shot of the goal being scored from above and he's doing the forsberg move and, and he has uh you know uh hirsch faked out uh, totally out of position and the puck is just crossing the goal line with That's, his top hand. I'm looking at this. This is the stamp. best stamp. This Isn't is a good cool? stamp. Not really a yeah. stamp guy, but like this is a, uh, this is Renaissance esque. It'll just, make it, a, it'll make a philatelist out of you yet. Um, so <laughs> Corey, Corey Hirsch. And I didn't know this until I looked at this on Wikipedia. So Corey Hirsch refused to allow his name to be shown on the stamp. <laughs> <laughs> i mean for him it was like you know kind of his worst moment yeah uh, for no Forsberg, i can see it was his jersey has moment. no name on the back of it <gasps> right that's yeah so and funny. in reality i believe it did uh so yeah uh, he you know he's i don't think he's salty about it anymore i think we talked about this when we talked about shootouts earlier that he's come to kind of accept his role in history as being the guy that gave up the Forsberg goal and it's kind of allowed him to have more of a um a, a, a megaphone for some of his like work with mental health and, you know, uh, charities and things like that. So I think he's come to terms and, and made his peace with, with what happened, uh, since then. Uh, yeah, but I you just found the actual like photo. Kid. Yeah, yeah. I just found the actual a, photo. And it's definitely got his name photo. on it. Um, yep. and then, then the stamp, it does not have his name on it. Fascinating about yep. that. Did they change yep. the Jersey? Those dogs. Anyway, this is, this is wonderful. <laughs> oh so, man. Yeah, that's is- Peter. <laughs> Peter Papa Forsberg, uh, who also by all accounts just seemed like kind of an all around great guy. Uh, So he had high charisma. Like I said, he had high (laughs) marks in all the stats except for a constitution. He just, you know, could not, could not, 
you know, maintain his endurance uh, People later always in his think, career. Oh, I can spare things in con. There's no role that I ever have to do except a saving throw in con, but it gets you. All right. Low he, he con, kind of low glass, HP, glass, glass cannon. cannon. Can't have that. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> this but is great. Shout out to our number 21. Shout out to our number 21. Forsberg. Uh, so today we were going to do two things. One was just kind of go through the current state of the of the playoffs. And then one thing that I did want to do that I think it had just dropped either last week or immediately after we talked last week was go through some of the finalists for some of the trophies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so I guess like first up, um, hockey's great. I really enjoy it. <laughs> um, it's it's very good. And uh, I, I wish I had, had done this earlier. Uh, it is... Uh, it's been going great. I've been very happy with the playoffs. Uh, I think that my strategy of pick the Canadian team and then have the, um, you know, Highlander style, whoever defeats them is the new favorite. They, uh-huh. they inherit the title uh, by right of conquest. Uh, that's been going great. Um, I would say that, that was a weird series <laughs> to watch. I would say that, um, you know, it was a uh, real bummer seeing the Canes go down. That was a, that was a good series, but I it know. just seems like, they're a really well, good team. They were fun. And they're yeah. very young is my understanding too, which get, does kind of make me feel better for them. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're sort of a favorite of, you know, I've been going to the well constantly on these like hockey hipster Southern teams like the Panthers. I was like, Oh, the Panthers look scary. The Panthers, you know, could give the lightning trouble. And eh, no, not really, not really that much uh, <laughs> trouble. You know, they handle them in six. Uh, after that first game, which was fantastic, um, you know, the, uh, the lightning did handle their business. And then in this one, I was like, Carolina could really knock out Tampa. Watch out. This Carolina team is good. Like you said, you know, they've got some young players. They've, they've got uh, a goalie that could give uh, the lightning shooters trouble. No, not really. They, they took care of them in five. Uh, and, you know, only one of those games went into uh, overtime. Carolina won it. it. It was their lone win of the series yeah. came in overtime. So, you know, I think it's uh, maybe we were sort of uh, underestimating Tampa and have been for a little while just well, because like there's a there, there's like a what have you done for me lately kind of effect. I think there's fatigue with like the defending champs where you're just like, ah, show me something different or, you know, we'll kind of reserve our judgment yeah, on I you. Think we, or it's I just think like it's hard to repeat. It's hard and to they repeat. also had a player that they didn't have the entire season. They called Professor Oak, and Professor Oak sent over a player that had been injured for a very long time. That we read that, like you know, Elo to its notoriety is unable to kind of incorporate player by player things, and so yeah, to of its course, great you shame to its enormous shame to the shame mm-hmm. of the original man whose name is Elo, whose first name eludes me. Our pod, our pod, Elo. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So to 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 underscore that point. So the the Lightning's leading scorer in round one was a fellow by the name of Kucherov, who uh, you know Professor Oak had sent over new new to the uh, uh, new to the camp, uh, you know newly he was just let out of his Pokeball after a whole <laughs> season, and their leading scorer in round two, uh, guess who it was? Who was it? It. It was Nikita Kucherov. It was. Isn't that interesting? In five games. That is interesting. Well, that is interesting. So, in the first two rounds of the playoffs, both of them, Kucherov has been their uh, leading scorer. If not, can you remember what was his what was his scoring record for the season again? The regular season. 
Yeah, he scored zero points. Uh, really? In, zero? In, in zero games played uh, during the uh, 2021 regular season. And it's kind of miraculous. Yeah, now all of a sudden we're just like, who is this guy? We haven't seen him in a while. He has 18 points in 11 games and leads all scores in the playoffs in both points and assists. Huh, how about that? <laughs> It is just like he did funny. last year. Just like he did <laughs> really? last year. He literally led, oh yeah, led uh, everyone in those stats as well uh, a year ago. Uh, and and then um, now he's doing it again. So it's just kind of his thing. Who needs the regular season? Who needs it? Regular season. Regular Nuts. seasons for chumps. <sighs> yeah. it's that's. I mean, that's obviously been a little interesting component of that particular division, which is why I think that games that look like they would have been highly competitive on paper were again, like there was a team with that had an advantage and all that, but right. Um, yeah. Although I, you know, I think it's, it is fair to be sort of disappointed if you're Carolina, because yeah. this was sort of the culmination of the build that you were trying to do that Don Waddell, I think I talked about, he's yeah. done a great job rebuilding this team more far better than I thought he would be capable of after his stint with the Atlanta Thrashers. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they've been kind of building this and, and ramping up for this particular kind of run. And they won that division during the regular season. So it was really their, their opportunity uh, as much as anything to, um, to show that they could stand toe to toe with, uh, with Tampa Bay and, and be a true contender. And it just didn't happen. Uh, you know, I don't know necessarily what, uh, changes they're going to try to make, uh, what they need to do to kind of figure things out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they were, you know, they're outscored 14 to nine, uh, in the series and they've got some questions to answer, I think, um, in the off season. Yeah. Well, Fun, fun, fun postseason for him. Fun Good while times. it lasted. Fun while it lasted. Let's go to the other complete series, uh, which is uh, the Habs. They did it. They they're continuing. <laughs> they, they, they they won Canada. The best part is, is like two days before they won, Canada announced like, listen, we've hit it. We've arrived at a deal. Uh, we're going to allow the Canadian team to go to America to play hockey. Um, please don't. Please don't riot, Canada. We're good. We're handled. And I'm very happy because if that didn't go down when that went down uh, and the Montreal Canadiens were deprived of their capacity to to attempt to defeat a team towards the south, ooh, one can only imagine the wrath. <laughs> like, Yeah, I wonder how that would have worked. I mean, I didn't really have that much of a doubt. You know, Canada was never going to, I don't think, deny their um, – their flagship franchise or, you know, any of their franchises, but particularly uh, Montreal, the ability to, to travel for uh, further playoff games, but it did come down to the wire, you know, in terms of the announcement relative to when this, when their series (laughs) needs to start happening. Um, Yeah. And it's just like super impressive. I don't know what else to say about it, except like the, the metrics were very wrong about Montreal. Uh, They have, I think, are they now finally up to having a 500 record on the season as a whole? No, they're not. So they, uh, <laughs> they played 67 games and only won 32 of those. Um, so they, they have a sub 500 record in just in terms of wins versus losses. Oh, no. <laughs> and they also have a below zero scoring differential, even after sweeping the jets. Is that not crazy over the That's whole really course of the, 
the the season, including the regular season and playoffs, even after this run, this magical run, they still are not kind of breaking even in terms of um, uh, wins versus losses Ooh. or goals scored. Versus Boston got wide, a goal. But- this is getting interesting, Ooh. by the way. Yeah. Oh, it is. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, uh, we're coming to you live from two minutes and 24 seconds in, in, left in the first period. <laughs> period, yes. yes. You can really track where we are in real time uh, on this. So, uh, yeah, you know, Montreal, I'm curious to see what happens next because they're going to be the lowest seeded team remaining because they're they going to the- reseed off of record during the regular season, like points. Are they the um, 2010 Seattle Seahawks of hockey net? Like have, is this like the worst team to yeah, go? This, I, like, um, I don't know. That's a good question. We should look into that. Because in they, terms are, of they do have Hilo. a deficit. Is that, is it normal for teams that lost more games in the season than one to make it to the playoffs? Uh, I would say it can happen because of the weird, um, overtime right. loss rule. Right. And that yes. Is a okay. factor that uh, gotcha, gotcha. can yeah can make a difference for uh, for a team now in terms of a team that made the finals and uh the worst elo i can look at this in terms of worst uh regular season elo by teams that made the finals it Oof. would not be number one uh cool. i don't think uh oh well you know we have to account for the fact that the 1968 expansion st louis blues uh, mm. which is a team that back like weirdly back when they expanded the NHL for the first time, because remember they had the original six for a long time and then they added like a whole other, I think six other teams, they broke up the division. So they kept the, the established teams in one division and then they or conference, whatever they called it. And then they put oh. all the new teams in the other one, which I <laughs> guess kind of makes sense from a competitive balance standpoint, except that then when it came time to decide, you know, who made the, the finals or what the to the finals were uh they basically one team from the new uh expansion division was guaranteed to make the finals (laughs) and so that team ended up being the st louis blues in in 1968 uh and they went up against i want to say the boston bruins uh in the final let me double check on that no they didn't uh so the 1968 blues we're doing a little vamping on the spot. Oh, it was against the Canadians of all teams. Uh-huh. Uh, they they uh, beat the Flyers. They uh, beat the North Stars, uh, both out of that um, expansion the new, uh, the new conference crop. division, right, to make the final. And then it was like, oh, hey, here's the most storied franchise in history. Good luck. And they <laughs> lost in a sweep. Now, I will say that the sweep was uh, makes it sound like it was more lopsided than it actually was. Every single one of those Canadians wins was by one goal, uh, and two of them came in overtime. So the Blues were more competitive in the 1968 Stanley Cup final than uh, you would necessarily expect just by looking at the, okay, the Canadians who were the vastly more storied franchise and had vastly more uh, talented uh, Hall of Fame type players up and down their roster, just straight up boat raced the uh, new coming <laughs> Blues in their first season. But that's how a team like the Blues with a uh, very low ELO rating ends up making the final is they have a path specifically to making Carved the final. Down. Yes. Uh, carved out, yeah, like by definition for them. Yeah. So and it's not like there's the, a Canadian like team guarantee to make the oh oh wait. <laughs> yeah, the uh the twenty twenty one Canadians 
I believe, uh, where would they rank off of their uh, regular season uh, ELO? I'm having to uh, to look this up on the fly, but this is this is what people you know want to listen this to. This is what on the people the want to listen to. Yes. So their 1476 final regular season ELO. 1476. 1476. 1476, right, would be tied for the 14th uh, lowest of any team to make the Stanley Cup final in history. All right. And all the other teams, or most of them, were from uh, the like 1918, uh, 1919, and the early 1920s, um, early to mid 1920s. Like when they could still Elo, smoke on the ice. Like, Well, yes. And also, Elo uh, was like seeded every team uh, uh 1918 was like the first season on record so every team started with like a hella low uh, initial rating uh, like uh you know and then over time it builds up uh, uh that's one of the attributes of elo to keep you Which, know or to handle like elo inflation over time you sort of set teams really low when they come into the league uh and then sort of let them build it up over time which makes sense so they would not be the worst but they would be certainly in the conversation for worst modern Stanley cup final entrant. But again, uh, to, to my point earlier, they're going to be the lowest seeded team. Uh, Mm -hmm. by definition, they're going to have to play no matter what the winner of the avalanche versus the golden Knights. And if they were to win, they would get a significant boost. Obviously they would definitely get a boost. Yes. If they more, certainly more than they got for beating Winnipeg, who was like, like mediocre rating going into the series. Um, uh, Toronto was rated higher than Winnipeg for whatever that's worth. I would have Um, taken offense at that maybe a week or two ago, but now I mean like I'm all halves, man. You don't (laughs) don't know. Yeah. 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 You, 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 you hate both of those teams uh, and have been fervently (laughs) rooting against them throughout the postseason. So uh, yeah, I think the, the, thing standing in their way and the reason why uh montreal only has a 24 percent chance of making the finals even though they have a 100 percent chance of making the semifinals because <laughs> they've already clinched it and, and and their opponents uh are sort of a toss-up still uh yeah more than more than a toss-up for the knights they have a 73 percent chance but it's still up in the air is that um both of those teams are like the two best teams in the league or like yeah. two of the best three because uh, the lightning are in there. Uh, and so no matter what, they're going to be heavy underdogs in that series. But of course they've been heavy underdogs in all their series and it hasn't seemed to matter. So we'll see whether they have another upset left in them. They could, they could, Hockey's a funny game. Hockey's a funny game. And man, great. the hopes of the whole country now are yes. resting on the Montreal Canadians. I don't know if that's yes. good for Canada or bad for them. I mean, it is a team literally called Canadians. The Canadians, yeah. So it makes uh, sense that they would be representing them. Of course, absolutely. Uh, it's it's, and they're you know. also the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup, which Ooh. we don't need to beat into the ground. But in 1993, yeah. they won the Stanley Cup, and that was the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. Very long time ago. I'm sure up. that there are longer droughts of winning a Stanley Cup that we could potentially get into at another time, maybe in the off Not season. for Canada. 28 years, uh, or I guess it's 27, like, you know, depends on whether we count this year as contributing to that or not. Um, that is, like, by far the longest streak that Canada's ever gone without winning a Stanley Cup. Oh, I just meant, like, a, another team, maybe from, like, the, the Ontario area, maybe a larger metropolitan oh, area sure. within that no, region. That, there are but... specific franchises yeah. Like one specific franchise in particular that definitely not has Ottawa. gone longer. Anyway, 
but um <laughs> no not hamilton not uh not thunder bay not yeah. uh is the argonauts uh, no wait it's the other one anyway we'll get back to that in the <laughs> off season um and then so again these are still in progress so we don't want to make any declarative statements but um I, like I was mentioning earlier, both of these have really lived up to, to your hype, I think. I think that the Islanders versus Boston have been a very good series. I really think that the Avs-Golden Knights has been a fantastic series to watch. I know that I was texting you last week after we recorded that there was a game that went, again, into the wee hours of the fucking morning. Please end these things sooner. But um, I think that was, was game two. Yeah, um, but like it was just like ridiculous to watch some of these goalies all of whom seem hot um to uh to to kind of do their thing you know <laughs> yeah although i will say that um yeah mark andre flurry uh and well robin laner like he was in net for that seven goal explosion in game one but that was a little bit of an aberration they were really tired in that game after yes. um I've been, uh, I've been enjoying off. watching Mr. Grubauer yeah. work. I think that he's been a fascinating specimen. <laughs> like, I yeah, think that's been a bit. You know, yeah. I, I, and I think both goalies, they they probably have played to the same save percentage that they had during the regular season, essentially, or maybe like slightly lower than it was um, uh, in, in terms of their rate of stopping pucks. But so it's tough to say like how hot they are, but they're both equally, they're playing to an equal level, it seems like in this it's series. On, so, at least, um, like the burner's going, you know. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, and they could be hot. Like uh, the the other thing is like conditional on winning a series. Your goalie might just be hot. Like yeah. <laughs> if if we told you, okay, the Knights are going to win this series. It's like, well, Flurry probably had a good game in in the in the clincher. You it's know? really so funny that you say we'll this. See. I'm reading. Do you know Ben Cohen at the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, I'm reading his book. Guy. I'm reading. Uh, yeah, I'm reading his book now. Yeah, uh, about as the hot we speak. Hand. It's a good book. I'm enjoying it. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, finding the hot hand has always been like a challenge for yeah. analysts in sports because it's like, does it exist? Does it not exist? Players <laughs> swear it exists, uh, but there's not a lot of evidence for it. But hey, maybe recently there has been some evidence for it. Uh, it's a fairly so, good summary of the book, in fact. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a, that's a summary of the last like 50 years of uh, research <laughs> in that field. Uh, so I think now we've settled on a point where it's like, yeah, it probably exists. Uh, it's probably dwarfed by a bunch of other factors, which makes it really difficult to tease out. Uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's still one of those mysteries. And I think in hockey, because it is so like low scoring and because like, you know, a couple goals can mean that, I mean, a couple goals could be the difference in this series in terms of like, if things had bounced the Knights way in game two and overtime, they would be winning the series right now. They'd be moving yeah. on. If things had bounced the Avalanche's way in game five in overtime, they would be the ones that were a game away from clinching rather than the Golden Knights. Uh, so I think that, yeah, uh, oftentimes in hockey more than like in other sports, you can kind of look at things and be like, well, we lost because, you know, we didn't do this right. Or maybe like one flukish play happened. But at the same time, like, you know, we put ourselves in that position to have to, you know, be uh, warding off fluky plays in the first place. So I think in, in other sports, you can kind of take more ownership of what happened. Whereas in hockey, it's just like sometimes the hockey gods love you and sometimes (laughs) they don't and we don't really know how to explain fully why that happens but maybe with some of the um the advent of uh some of the more 
uh, granular tracking data, you know, and having that be available tracked over a whole season, multiple seasons, try to kind of figure out patterns in that. Uh, it'll feel less like devil magic when a team, when a team wins a playoff series or does well. Yeah, it's um, it definitely seems like again you just kind of mentioned whenever goalies get hot, and I was like, oh yeah, that. Um, we should take a few minutes. Speaking of goalies, to go over the Vezina, and then there's a few. We don't have to go through all of them because there's so many of them as we went over an entire episode of a couple of goons. Uh, check it out. But go listen. To go our, listen to it. Did, now, did we? Uh, we broke down the um, trophies. The trophies themselves. Yes, we also the quality go into that of the trophies as well as just explaining to us what they are because there are many of right. them. The Wikipedia page no, for true. NHL trophies is voluminous in nature. It has its own moderator. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what hasn't hasn't come has the heart memorial. It hasn't come out. That comes out tomorrow. Actually, it looks like based on this, right? Yeah, the they've nominees. Released- They've started releasing uh, the nominees for most of them. I think the Norris nominees came out today and you had a lot of like, you know, stat heads on Twitter being like, Victor Hedman's overrated. Victor Hedman doesn't deserve, you know, whatever. Uh, You know, I don't know. Uh, He's a good defenseman. (laughs) I don't I don't want to weigh in on that. But yeah, we won't know the Hart nominees until uh, tomorrow, which is June 10th. And we won't know the Jack Adams or Coach of the Year nominees. Uh, until uh, the 11th. So, you know, we're kind of flying blind uh, on some of these, um, but uh, there are some that have been announced already. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of defensive... Dedication of Hockey, I don't remember that one. Um, the only ones here Which that seemed one? actually interesting, the um, the Bill Masterson Memorial Trophy regarding their oh, dedication yeah, to hockey. Which one was I that? I think we talked about that. That was the one that was like the the comeback player of the year almost. That's like the basically. one. That's a fun one. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. Yeah. And and uh, it usually goes to like a player who missed a whole year or did some kind, you know, overcame some kind of injury. So you see like Oscar Lindblom came back from cancer. Patrick Marlowe broke the all-time uh, record for uh, games played or something. Yeah. Uh, in in the, like we talked about this. It was like a Gordy We totally Howe did award yeah. uh, i mean uh gordy howe um record that he uh that that he broke which is like that's wild that a gordy howe record got broken during the season yeah. uh and like we i didn't necessarily totally have it on my radar until it happened until like the few games before and it was like oh by the way it's like huh it's weird maybe patrick marlowe like it's weird that he would be breaking uh, Gretzky. I understand breaking Gordy Howe records. Maybe <laughs> not Patrick Marlowe, but hey, more power to him. He's he certainly has uh, had perseverance and, and dedication to hockey just to play that many games. That's, that's a, dedication. One thousand seven hundred sixty-eight games. That's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. Yeah. Damn, that's uh, a lot of games. Okay, I'm rooting for him uh, now. I want him to win this. Well, one. Matt, uh, but I should say Matt Dumba yes. of uh, the Wild also is he's the he's the other um, finalist, uh, and I think his is just more about trying to make hockey more inclusive, which I think is a, a really cool push that the league has been, and it's pretty overdue, frankly. But the league has been trying to kind of make a, a push, and he's uh, Matt Dumba has been. Um, leading that uh you know as much as anyone in the game so you know he i think was also a finalist for the the king clancy or something like that um uh, or he has been in the past i guess yeah in the past Uh, he's not this year yeah i'm just checking it out um 
Yeah, then we have a few other. There's the Lady Bing, uh, the most gentleman. Uh, our, our our least favorite award here. Least favorite award. Uh, yeah. The, the, the anti-goons of the year are Austin Matthews. Awful. Jacob Awful. Slavin and Jared Spurgeon. Awful. Yeah, I, I just don't don't even know why. Why are we rewarding gentlemanly play on this of all podcasts? That's of course. gross. No, uh, I, I think um, shut it generally, down. I think we, we said, yeah, shut it down. Uh, we said in those ones that um, players tend to get it for like scoring a lot and having the fewest penalty minutes of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that standard, you know, our Timmy Panarin could have been in the conversation. He only had six penalty minutes, but Austin Matthews scored more and he only had 10 penalty minutes. Frankly, not many players get penalty minutes. Also, I think it's ironic that Austin Matthews, who um, was accused of mooning a female security guard in a, as like a prank one time, just like a very you know messed up Lady ben prank that he that. did. That's not no, good. No, she wouldn't. That's bad. Pa- and, and Patrick Kane, who also had only fourteen penalty minutes, has a long checkered uh, history of uh, like you know uh, uh, abuse allegations. Uh, and then uh, Panarin had his own, and he only had six penalty minutes. So it's almost like players that are like worse dudes off the ice it, it are correlated with having like fewer penalty minutes and being less goonish on the ice. Do, you know, I don't is, know if this is scientific, but it's a I'll very odd trend that I just just noticed. You want to talk about the British aristocracy, man? Let's talk about the British aristocracy. All nice in public and all nice at parties and all nice among their people. But the minute that they start going to other places, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm there telling you. Go. you. There we go. Yeah, it's like a bunch of two-faced, you know, non-penalty minute having uh, players. But yeah, I don't. This is all to say I don't think um, Austin Matthews uh, belongs in the conversation for a most gentlemanly player award. But that's just my two cents. That's just your two cents. The only other one that I wanted to talk about because all of these individuals are still in play is the Vezina. Yeah, and that one. I, I don't even know if I can pick a, a winner because they've all been so great. I guess Vasilevsky had the most goals above replacement, but it was pretty close. Uh, Fleury was right up there. Uh, Grubauer was also uh, in that mix. And I like him. It's, it's actually very, he... kind of a shame. Yeah, yeah no, Grubauer is really a really fun story because he's the one that I think of the of the three was like the the most unheralded to like nobody thought that he would necessarily end up in this particular conversation like he's had good seasons before he's been like a consistently pretty good goalie but uh not necessarily like you know a finalist for uh the Vezina uh or anything like that so this was like a nice career year for him whereas like Marc-Andre Fleury, I guess this is his first Vezina nod as well, but he's, you know, been, he's a Stanley Cup winning goalie in the past. Uh, and, and people respect him and have known that he's a, uh, I mean, he went, he was a go- the rare goalie taken first overall in the draft. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think people know him. Uh, and then Vasilevsky has been dominant for a long time and another Stanley Cup winning goalie. So Grubauer, you know, in that context, um, it's, uh, it's interesting to see him uh, be there, and uh, yeah, I, I like uh, I like him uh, and and what he's done. Uh, he didn't backstop, for instance. He uh, he was on the Washington Capitals 
in uh, 2018 when they won the Stanley Cup, but he did not backstop that team uh, to the Cup. In fact, I believe he didn't play at all in the Stanley Cup final. Braden Holtby was their goalie the entire final. So this could be a chance for him, although Colorado will see if they can come back. Um, But it would be a chance for him to kind of join the other two. But again, the Vezina, I wish these trophies got voted on after the playoffs were done, do they not? In some is, it, is it already kind of, no, are, the, are the ballots in? It's frozen, right? It's frozen as of the regular season, oh, yeah, except that. for the um, the Con Smythe, which is about who's the MVP of the playoffs. So it's sort of you need you need right. to know the playoff results to know who the MVP of the playoffs is. But I kind of wish that uh, some of these were including the playoffs because they um, uh, that could change. That could totally tip the scales in someone's favor uh, or not. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's really good. I don't know. I like a lot of these players, and it's good because it's cool that these three uh, goalies are still in there because I've always found them fascinating. Again, like the cleric analogy does seem on point. I like that in, in the terms of the, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they, are, they are a bit uh, uh, philosophical, one might say. Um, we're coming to the end of it here. Um, when is the next set of games? Because I don't see a schedule for the semifinals yet. Um, you know, I don't know if those have been announced yet. I know they announced when the potential game sixes and game sevens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we know there will be game sixes. Uh, when when the game sevens will be, if if necessary. I don't know if we know. Maybe we'll uh, our our listeners will know by the time that um uh lucky the, for the our listeners. Drops. Yeah, maybe next week. Either way. Uh, yeah. It'll be good. I'm, I mean, I know the two to uh, to four games that we'll be watching over the next few days at the very least. And, right, uh, and we yeah. know what the matchups will be because there's no way, aside from, like, obviously who who wins the ones that are still up in the air, uh, the seedings are such that, uh, like I said, Montreal will play the, the Colorado-Vegas winner no matter what, Oof. and that means Tampa will play the uh the winner of boston and the islanders no matter what which i think is interesting that's cool i like that that, that that's neat that's tidy i imagine it helps them with the prep a little bit uh and probably also builds their advantage a little bit at least for the teams that have already locked it up which speaking of which it's fucking nuts that the canadians started the last and finished the first right well a sweep will do that for you right yeah they'll clear it up rather quick i suppose yeah um yeah well, and cool. they went seven in the first round also. I mean, that's kind of funny too. It's yeah. not like they swept both. <laughs> um, so obviously the research that goes into all this go- is, can be found at www.github.com slash neilpain538.com. Uh, all spelled out, spell obviously. Out the, spell out the uh, numbers. Spell out the letters. Spell out the numbers, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then where can you be found? Uh, they can find my writing at 538 and I'm on Twitter at neil underscore pain. Huh, that's fun. I'm on Twitter at Walt Hickey, and I can be found a lot of places like Insider and Numlock. And then here's the Canadian national anthem coming, friends. <laughs> there are fewer recordings of this than you might think, <laughs> especially fewer ones of angelic children. Yeah, so the thing is, like, actually, you know, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna do this very swanky. Yeah, this is a good song. This is by a name, John. Okay. Oh, all right. Ah.